0: Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Tim Stodd's podcast. My name is Tim Stoddard. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is Dan Go. Dan, what's up?
1: What is going on?
0: Not much. Thank you so much for joining me. I've uh, been a big fan of the content that you've been creating and, and your message. And, uh, and I get the feeling if you and I were to hang out outside of COVID life, we would be friends. So I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: Same here, man. Thank you very much for having me on. And pretty sure you get everyone telling you this, but uh, I was reading Copy Blogger like way back then.
0: Cool. It
1: was uh, yeah years ago. So big up, big respect to what you guys do.
0: Thank you. And uh, yeah, the people that have listened to my story, CopyBlogger had a huge impact on my life. Nonetheless, um, just it's exciting to be a part of this business. So I appreciate it. All right, my first question um, the background of your Twitter profile. Yeah. I know what that is because I read the Book of Five Rings. I don't even know how many times, over and over again. Yes. Um, for people that look at it and they think, oh, he must be into like ninjas or swords <laughs> or something. Uh, <laughs> please elaborate to people what that image means and, uh, yes. and what it means to you as a person.
1: Whoa, what a question. <laughs> um, okay, so my background is Miyamoto Musashi. Yeah. And he is known as the greatest swordsman in all of Japan. But aside from his accolades, what he represents to me is the way. And for him, his dedication to his sword was something that I look at in terms of my dedication to fitness. And I am trying to figure out life through fitness and through changing people's bodies and trying to be as good of a coach as I can be in a all of these life, and I'm just trying to figure out life through that. And for Musashi, so he came out with the Book of Five Rings, which a lot of people know about. And then uh, there was this biopic or this the epic Musashi novel from I, I forgot. Ag, I forgot what his name is. I'm not going to obliterate it right now by trying to figure <laughs> yeah, it like out.
0: math. Yeah,
1: but. He just strikes me as someone that was so dedicated to his craft that nothing could ever get in his way. And of course, like a girl was, was actually getting in his way a little bit in that story, but he strikes me as a person that just sought the way through what he did. And whenever I think of Musashi, I think of just trying to be as excellent as I can be, uh, whether that's uh, tweeting whether that's uh, coaching my clients, whether that's being a dad. And he represents excellence to
0: me. I think he represents that for a lot of people. And one of the cool things about Musashi is he was a philosopher in a lot of the same ways that he was a swordsman. And I don't want to give it away. If you never read the book, it can be kind of a dry read. It's almost similar mm. to like the War of Art in that the translation of it is very like. There's just not a whole lot of um, like, what's the word? It it paints a very straightforward picture. But when you take the applications of so you know he has this idea of having a long sword in one hand and a short sword in the other hand, and how life is all about offense, and there's no point in having a shield because. If you're living in defensive, you're, you're, you're missing the point. And, uh, and a lot of those philosophies have had a really huge impact on, on my life and the way that I approach change and the way that I, I approach excellence and, and, uh, and the philosophy is like of like simplicity that he brought forward in a lot of it. Are there any particular ideas or is it just the manifestation of like what he represented that impacts you so much?
1: One thing that I loved about Musashi was the fact that he had no style.
0: Yeah, so and cool. And ev-
1: everyone that fought him and everyone that saw him fight, he looked like this country bumpkin, mm-hmm. you know, in these duels. Like, what, the, what is this guy doing? And he didn't go through the traditional school of thought. So he didn't go through Kempo. He didn't go through the other uh, schools. He didn't have a teacher. So he literally created his own style based on what he thought was practical to him and pragmatic. And he kind of reminds me of Elon Musk in a sense, in that, in that way, where he operates from a, from a basis of first principles. And he creates his own style as a result of what these principles mean to him. Uh, So, yeah, one of the things I admired about him was the fact that he was as he was as much of an individual to trust in himself, to actually be able to create his own style and to have, and to regularly test his style against people who could have decapitated him, who could have killed him. And he was willing to do that because he was just so dedicated to the way. Uh, So that's, that's something that I admire about him. And I try to bring that out in what I'm doing. And I think the only way that you can do that is to try to be as, I guess you say the buzzword right now is like authentic, but to try to be as, true to yourself as humanly possible. And that's what Musashi was.
0: Yeah, and it's such an easy thing to talk about, but it's such a difficult thing to do because when the consequences are as drastic as it was for him as a swordsman, (laughs) actually just having the faith to say like, no, I'm pretty sure the way I'm doing this is the way, right? I know that sounds esoteric, but read the book and you'll know. Uh, And so how it applies to us with business or life or even the content that we create, it's so easy to see what other people do to see success that other people do to think like, Oh, that's a little gimmick over there. And let me try to ride that wave where I think you have been a really good example of that, where your ideas are uniquely your own. The the buzzword is authentic. I don't necessarily like that word because to me, authentic kind of feels like I like Seth Godin's view on it. Whereas like if I'm being authentic, I'm going to tell you that I'm not feeling good today where like, really what you want is a promise. Like I'm making a promise to you to show up. So I, I struggle with that word a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, where I'm going is like your commitment to have your own voice and put that forward is very, very difficult. And I admire that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate the compliment. And I'll say that I am an amalgamation of everything that I've read and learned. And mm-hmm. To bring it back to Musashi, like, you know, he he was very much the philosopher, but then um, he spent pretty much every waking moment uh, being a sculptor, uh, painting, uh, reading books. Uh, he was voracious when it came to just learning how to be an artist outside of himself and consuming as much of these books so he can create his own philosophy out of it. And that's that's kind of the way I see life. It's just... <clears throat> I see life as in the ability to read something, to consume something, and then to literally take the parts that you love and to make that as part of your own philosophy, but not to necessarily be a zealot and be like, all right, the book of five rings is the only ring that matters in the whole universe or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? So for me, I always like to. I always feel like I'm molding myself like a pizza sometimes like I'm adding pepperoni and all this kind of stuff and everything that pops out is me as a collection of everything that I've read that I've jived with and that I'm willing to uh, put my voice behind
0: the trick to that at least for me because I struggle with this just as much as anybody is some days I feel like I I got it like I understand myself (laughs) I understand what I'm trying to produce to the world and then I'll read something, I'll see a new viewpoint. And it's a constant battle of like, if I'm incorporating that into my life, am I, it's it's a harsh word to say it, but like betraying the me that I was like five minutes ago where I felt so self-assured that like, this is my direction or am I just being open-minded to new ideas, new concepts and trying to figure that out? So again, and I'm, I'm so cool that I was so happy when I saw that background because the ideas that Musashi bring apply into so much of life, but it still flows with that where like your identity is never um, um, static, right? It's always molding and the ability to like be humble and be also like a little bit confident enough to just be the you that you are right now is a lot of, again, what I think is cool about the content you're creating. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. And I try to take I'm trying to take compliments and be like, thank you, and do all this kind of stuff. Because usually I'll be brushing it off. Um, but when it comes to excellence alone, it's understanding that we are just ignorant in general. Uh, we we could call ourselves stupid if we wanted to, right? Um, even though we may have read all the books, even though we may have built incredible businesses, we have to have the humility to understand that we are as ignorant as humanly possible. We are still ignorant. And I try to walk around with that, not necessarily mentality. Like Dan, you're so ignorant. You know, know, I'm not trying to walk around like that, but I'm trying to walk around with as much of an open mind as possible. And you're right. I don't think there's anything wrong with changing your mind at all. And uh, I think that's actually a sign of growth. Uh, you know, if you're believing in one thing and then someone brings a different viewpoint, then, and that changes kind of like your opinion of things. I mean, that's growth. And I try, at least in my particular field right now, like Twitter to me is like a job. It's, it's a great job. I love it. I fucking love it, right? But even with Twitter, um, I am just trying to put out everything in there that is coming out for me but understanding that I'm probably wrong, <laughs> and I'm okay with people disagreeing with me as well, and that's cool. And I think one of the problems that we get when people when people change their minds is part of it is like, what are what am I going to think about myself? What are people going to think about me mm. switching over and and kind of like flip flopping what they would, whatever they would say, right? I'm, and I think as a human being, we have to almost get away from that. That is almost like baked into us prehistorically because we want to be a part of the tribe. We want everyone to look at us to, to see that we got our shit together. We're very like stuck in our values or whatever it is. But I look at someone like yourself who changes his mind and I'm like, man, to have the courage to grow, to have the courage to actually change your mind about something, you know? I, a thought came in my mind about politics, but we're, let's not even bring it to that whatsoever. <laughs> let's not even like talk about That's that. Good idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, just being able to change your mind is a superpower, for sure.
0: Agreed, totally. And with changing your mind comes changing your perspective, changing your body. Uh, I think one of the things that has circulated with you is your before and after picture of before you decided to take fitness seriously. Everybody who listens to my show knows that fitness is a huge part of my life and it's kind of weird because there's all these different sides of me, right? There's like the web marketer side. There's, I'm really into um, addiction advocacy and people that need to get into recovery. And then there's also like the fitness side of me. And so sometimes having all three of those conversations at once is kind of weird because there's these little echo chambers, right? And you either got to be in like the money Twitter or like the fitness Twitter. Um, And I, I try my best just to present all sides of me with with who i am in the moment but i say all that to say that i think fitness and just health in general but i like the word fitness is almost like an umbrella of all of those things because if my fitness starts collapsing then all of a sudden i realize the laundry is stacked up in the corner and then all of a sudden i realize i ain't checked the mail and then all of a sudden i realize that fucking i don't know like my email inbox is like 200 emails in it and for some reason my fitness is like my meditation. It's the thing that centers all the rest of them. And I feel like that's also the case with you, but please just elaborate on your, on your journey and how you got there.
1: So fitness to me is like the sword to Musashi. Nice. It is what has changed my life. It is the way in which I see this world. And uh, I wouldn't have known that if I was always fit, I used to be a very unfit guy. So I know exactly what that feels like. I, very, I know what it feels like to be lower energy I know what it feels like to be fat. I know what it feels like to be unconfident, out of shape. And I know the other side as well. And I know the fact that when you take care of your health, that is literally the one thing you actually have full control over in this world. Right? I, I can't control necessarily how much money I make. I can't control uh, my investments. I can't control how much uh, I can to a certain extent, but I can't you know, control how much people love me. But what I can control is my health and the behaviors I have around my health. And then when I started to control my health and started to take control of it, it made me realize I had so much more power inside of this world when I just focus on what I can control. And then when I did that and when I transformed my body, I realized that, oh, my God, I'm a lot more confident than I was before. I am taking more immediate action than I was before. I am making moves. I'm making money. I'm dating women, all this kind of stuff. is way back then. My, I'm married now. I'm married. So I look at health as the number one meta habit that anyone can bring into their life. And they say health, we can say that's fitness as well. Just a simple act of exercising. I really don't understand why people don't do this because- would you like your brain to be better? Would you like your body to start working normally? Um, you know, spend maybe like three hours a week inside of the gym doing the right things. That can change your life. So I, I look at fitness as kind of like an amalgamation of controlling what you can control. And then that's what ultimately gives you personal power to try to influence the things that you can't.
0: I love how you talk about personal power because the thing that i appreciate most about people that are fit is that it's one of the few things it's almost like a cruel joke of the universe right <laughs> that the only way to possibly be fit is to be fit yeah. and you can take all the steroids you want and do all the diets and stuff like that but it just it doesn't matter because no matter what if you put two people up against each other on a rowing machine like one of them is going to be better than the other and the only reason and you can even talk about genetics whatever i'm not trying to get that that into it i'm just saying that like earning fitness is pure and honest and there's just no possible way to cheat and i respect that so much about it because it's like it just forces you to look directly into yourself and there's no there's no way to fool yourself you either could like run the three miles and not throw up or throw, <laughs> or throw up mm-hmm. right it's just pure
1: yeah and the thing is no one can buy that from you. Yeah. And you can't buy that for yourself. You can't. And when it comes to life, uh, you know, me being 40 now, I don't necessarily think this is old, but you could say it's like a little bit aged when I'm in 40 right now, you can make as much money as you want and do all this kind of stuff. None of it, none of this shit compares to the stuff that money can't buy. So I am more interested in the stuff that money can't buy because that ends up actually invariably making me more money. So I am focused on, um, I, I can't pay for health. I gotta expend effort and I got to put in time. If I don't put in that time, then guess what? I'm not going to be healthy and it is black and white. It is as black and white as it gets right there. If you don't put in the effort, then you're not going to get back the results. Um, I am interested in a family full of love and the time and the attention that it takes to build that up. And then when you, I, I have this kind of like thought that people are in almost like mutually exclusive agreements with each other, right? So if I make money, I can't be in shape. Or if I'm in shape, it's, it's going to take away my time from making money. When the reality is, it's like the more in shape that you get, not only do you make more money, but your life just gets significantly enhanced. And it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that actually happens gradually over the course of time. So we don't wake up and we're automatically healthy and feeling like high energy and like we're ready to tackle the world. That takes time to get. And you don't necessarily get to the point where you're not willing that you're, you're like waking up. And you're like, I'm so tired. I can't do this. Like it takes a while to get there too. It is both a gradual process. And then in general, we are either moving towards better health and better fitness, or we're not. And it is as black and white as that. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. You, millionaires, billionaires can't buy this shit. You know, and, and far be it for me to say, I think the new status symbol, if there was ever one, and I know that we're not supposed to be like, you know, caring about what other people think or whatever. But again, it helps. The new status symbol is actually being in good shape. And that says more about you than any car, any house, any business could ever say.
0: That's really interesting. And I think you're probably right. One of the first things that, that, you, that I find myself looking at when I meet new people is that, and for some reason, if they're in shape, you just instantly think to yourself, oh, this person, he or she like, must have it together yeah. somewhere or the other.
1: Yeah halo effect. The halo effect is real. And I have this thing with my clients and, you know, I work with type A individuals, uh, guys who are just like hard pressing. So they love this when I say it to them. And I say, you want to develop a body, number one, that's avoidant of all preventable diseases. That's number one. Let's get the most important part first. Mm. But then afterwards, you do a little bit more work, then you walk into a room and you actually communicate everything before even opening your mouth. And then that is what we're trying to create. And I hate to say it, but everyone judges the book by its cover. And once, once you see a very fit person who's muscular in all the, the right ways, they will look at you very differently than if you walked in with a beer gut and looking like you have aged 10 years past your, past your age. There is a very different way in which people will treat you, trust you, and interact with you. And it's, it's, I hate to say it, but it's just the way it is. Right, it's just human nature. So yeah,
0: let's talk about this, man. Because yeah. I struggle with this. I shouldn't say struggle. I it's difficult to find the balance of people should appreciate who they are, accept who they are, love themselves no matter what. Because again, like genetics and stuff play a role in just uh, physique or whatever. Uh, but so do decisions and. So I mentioned that I'm involved in like addiction advocacy, advocacy, right? And I make sure it's very important that when you see somebody that is struggling with some kind of substance abuse, you don't judge them as a bad person. You just understand that they got caught up, maybe they're sick, maybe they're, uh, who knows, multitude of reasons. And I think the same thing goes with fitness, right? If you see somebody that's struggling with maybe obesity, you see somebody that's uh drinking like a liter and a half of soda a day, even though, you know, they got type two diabetes. It's difficult to find that balance, to be honest with them and say like, hey, these things are in your control while at the same time, not pinning them like they're a bad person. And it's also difficult to say out loud that, you know, I'm not quote fat shaming anybody. I just, I feel really strongly that the consequences of, an unhealthy obese population are much bigger than that particular person not feeling a bit about themselves like it 's crippling the economy it like as a whole just makes our society kind of lethargic and um, dare I say entitled in a way so again i 'm not trying to go that deep into it i 'm just pointing out that that statement of your physique and your confidence and you know the health of your skin with your hydration levels and stuff it's bigger than just you walking into a room and feeling confident right yeah
1: it's something that people can sense before even if you didn't show them the body and you just talk to them over the phone you'd be like okay well Mm -hmm. this guy sounds like he's got this shit together and you see him in person you're like okay i get it right it just changes you from it, from how you speak to how you hold yourself up to how you present yourself to the world to even like how you smile at someone mm-hmm. and he, he said something that's like you know i don't want to fat shame people and i don't want to do this kind of stuff and whatever i actually had this like huge uh twitter contra not controversy but i was like you know that shaming actually does have a place in society and i'll give you some examples too but the thing is, is that when I tweet, I am trying to change people's lives when I tweet and trying to say kind of like portray or actually just influence them in, in some sort of way. I am not above telling people exactly how it is. And I think people actually, they crave it. And the weak people or not weak people, I hate to use these terms, but the people who are not ready for it, they're gonna fight against it. Mm. So when I say something like, would you be happy if you had if your kids had the same habits, eating habits that you had right now? And to some people it'd be like, How dare you? You know, like how could you say that? Well, it needs to be said. And I don't want to be the positive guy forever, and I'm not the positive guy forever. I actually think people need to get hit with a dose of reality. And if people keep on saying that it's okay to be obese, and it's okay to be unhealthy, and it's okay to head for an early grave or for a life full of medication or for uh, your children to possibly be obese as well, someone needs to fucking say something. And I don't think any... I think you should say whatever comes to mind that you feel is going to change people. And some people are actually going to react really well to that shaming. I'll tell you right now, there's so many people that, that, uh, that have actually applied, that have applied, I've been coaching with them. One of the things that they say to me is like, you know what, when you, um, when you posted that thing about being an example to your kids and not being a shining example, that hit me. and That made me feel a lot of shame. But that also made me realize how far I have come, and how far I've let myself go. And that's the reason why I I ask him all the time, why are you on this call with me? That's the they're like, that is the reason why I'm on this call, because you sent out this tweet, it made me feel very bad about myself or whatever, but it caused me to actually do something about it and change. I think the I think positivity, to be honest, it's cool, but it doesn't work as well as as kind of diving into, I guess you could say like deeper, I guess you could say negative shaming. I don't know. I don't really want to even call it shaming. I just want to call it having an opinion and saying it exactly like you should say it.
0: Yeah. Cause the purpose isn't to hurt somebody. Yeah. It's just, well, okay. So, um, how, how do you address people that maybe just have a compulsion, have an eating disorder, have an addiction dare I say, like, because there's a difference, right? There's a difference between bad behavior and something that has just like spiraled out of control. Um, There are two different conversations that kind of are saying the same thing, right? Like how else do you say you need to lose weight other than saying you need to lose weight while this person adjusting the fact that there might be some involuntary behavioral mechanisms at play or maybe this person just doesn't care and let themselves go. How do you do that?
1: It's never like that. It's never like they don't care because they do care. They care even more than anyone else could ever imagine. And they're in this hole, right? This hole where are just like, I don't know any way out of this other than keep on doing what I'm doing right now. And it's, it's very funny because I am not a psychologist whatsoever and I will not pretend to play one on the internet but what I do with my clients is we have to look at overeating and we have to look at disordered eating. And, and for me, I only work with people who have disordered eating on the scale of trying to make themselves fat. I don't deal with disordered eating and the other aspect of things. I have no experience with that. But I sit them down on the call and I literally go through, okay, so you, you're dealing with nighttime eating issues right now so why do you feel like you need to eat and they'll tell me well i just get home and i just have like this whatever i was like okay cool so why why do you feel like you get home and you have to do that okay then they answer i keep on peeling back the layers until mm. they tell me what is not bullshit and usually when i peel back these layers a lot of it has to do and I, hate to, I had to, hate to bunch them all up. A lot of it has to do with kind of like how they coped with things as kids, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And usually when people uh, are eating, I remember I was working with this one client and I kept on asking him these questions. When people are doing this, they're very, especially like type A individuals, they are very uh, kind of like, I guess you say, resistant to it. But we kept on digging, kept on digging, kept on digging. And then we found that He overeats at night or even throughout his life because he was abused as a kid and he was abused by his mother-in-law and then he used food as a way to cope with those feelings, to feel like he was being loved. You know, we, we actually got deep, as deep as that was. And then once people know what the root is, and I'm not necessarily, again, I'm not a psychologist. I just try to ask them as many questions as possible, which I feel is going to be valid for their situation. But when they find out what that root is, I implore them to dig on it. And I implore them to see a therapist on it and to really, really dig on it. And excuse me one second. Let me just put that there. And when I get them to, to dig, when they find the root, that's when they can do the real work. So if they know that they are feeding themselves because they are either kind of like dealing with feelings of aloneness, of boredom, of coping, or whatever it is, that allows them the opportunity to heal themselves at least mm-hmm. so they know exactly where it's coming from. And that takes time. right? And I, and I love this uh, comment that I heard Gabor Mate say, where he says, instead of asking why the addiction, ask why the pain. And when we think about food and the way people are treating it right now, there are, there are a lot of people feeding their pain at this very moment. Yeah. So we have to, they have to ask themselves, why the pain? Why do you feel like you have to feed yourself? Why do you feel like you have to keep on eating? And then once you find that out, then we can do some work.
0: Very interesting. Difficult things to navigate, for sure. My viewpoint on it, and this is just what I've developed, again, uh, anytime we talk about this, you almost have to make the disclaimer, like I'm not a fucking doctor, yeah. seek medical advice. And so it's important that that's out there. But uh, my view has been that we've lost connection of the spirituality of food and that I'm really into at least Mark Hyman's viewpoint on it because he looks at it from like an agricultural standpoint, like where our food actually comes from and how that affects like how we treat it. And once you at least to an extent realize that like that, that phrase, you are what you eat, it's metaphorical, whatever, but it's quite literally true. Like you are nothing but the things that you put into your body. And when you see that and you realize that one life force was grown and then died and then brought into you so that it can continually transform and transform and eventually somehow like manifest itself into the you that you are right now it gives you like a much deeper more appreciative me it gives me a much deeper much appreciative viewpoint on food and so with that in mind i'm not perfect but i really make it a point to like sit appreciate my meals like appreciate that i'm not just feeding myself but i'm nourishing myself and that like i'm i'm giving life force into the world in the best way that i can and um i had some eating disorder things when i was growing up and uh not nearly to the extent that some people do it's like very very painful for a lot of people out there but i'm just saying that i can relate to you in the sense that i understand that disconnect between what's right in front of me on a plate and like the spiritual disconnect that it actually creates. I don't know how to address that, but I think those are important conversations to have as well.
1: I wish I could join you on that conversation because I'm just like steak, oh, it's so good. <laughs> you know, like, tastes so good. <laughs> you know, I you know, I, I never really thought about the spiritual aspect of the foods, but definitely that's something that I am actually going to start thinking about, I think one of the cool things, the one of the coolest things that you could do that gives you a deeper appreciation for what you're putting into your body is actually is it's it's doing kind of like the religious thing, which is like to be grateful for the food that, that came on your plate, you know,
0: just start Um, with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I think people have to remind themselves like how scarce the shit was maybe like a hundred years ago, Totally. you know, like we weren't designed to take in this much food and we were designed to have this much available food for us in the first place. But I don't know, we're talking about changing people at a mass level. And this is something that's actually one of those questions that burns in my mind. It's like, how can we change people at a mass level? How can we actually shift the balance from everyone in North America being fat and out of shape and dying (laughs) dying a fast death to being in shape or not being in shape, but just being average weight and being in normal shape, you know, and just taking care of their bodies. How can we do that? And this is something that I just keep on asking myself right now, because right now it just seems like we are not making the adjustments necessary for, for the lives that we're living right now. Like you and I are sitting down on this, on this desk, or you're standing actually. So that's even better. But you know, I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm even working these days where I'm just sitting for like eight hours a day. And I literally have to push my ass and get in the gym because I know like as a caveman, I was walking like 15,000, 20,000 steps back then. And now I just have to, now we have to artificially move ourselves in order to keep ourselves in shape. And I don't think a lot of people know that right now. They're kind of just, I'm going to say it's an uphill battle for everybody right now. And not because of not because of their own inner issues yes that is a that is a case, but it's kind of it 's just the way the world is right now uh, you can 't walk out of your house without seeing a food advertisement you can't uh, you can 't really you know you can 't really go to places everything of our lives is actually centered around the sharing of food, yeah right uh rewarding is food, sadness is food so we're we're basically tying everything to food at this point so we're not making it easy on ourselves whatsoever.
0: Yeah. uh, Very cool, man. Thank you for going there with me. I didn't expect this to be necessarily like that kind of a podcast because I'm so interested in, in the actual work that you're doing. And so we got a couple minutes left and uh, uh, let's go on that. But before we continue on, like seriously, thank you for uh, being willing to have those conversations because it's difficult to put yourself out there in a way that like exposes your ideas and your thoughts to the world. And so that, that takes courage. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, man. I never really thought about that like that. Now I have to be like a little bit fearful about putting out my
0: thoughts and shit. <laughs> but
1: anyways, uh, I don't know. Yeah, man. Thank you very much for that compliment. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. So your business, you mentioned yes. a couple of times that uh, a lot of the clients that you're getting are from Twitter Mm-hmm. I'm like new to this Twitter world. I'm, I'm in a lot of ways, like very anti-social media, but yeah. I enjoy Twitter a lot. I've made like a lot of friends on Twitter. i made friends all over the world on Twitter. And um, and it's just been a recurring theme in, in my show. And, and so, okay, just how did you get started? Like why start from zero followers and then one day decide, you know what? I have something I want to say and yeah. this is where I'm going to say it.
1: Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, like way back then, maybe like seven, eight years ago, I started a Twitter account and I made the most cardinal sin that anyone can make, which is actually buying your followers. Nice. And then after I bought my followers, I was like, well, fuck this account. because like, <laughs> no, I'm putting out a, a, a tweet and then like one person out of 7,000 people is liking it. So afterwards I scrapped that account and then I just focused fully on my gym and then I sold my gym in 2018, December 2018. And I was helping high, well, I'm helping right now, high achieving entrepreneurs. And the, the, the Twitter account came very weird, man. Um, it was because COVID hit. And when COVID hit, there was so much uncertainty in the world. There was so much uncertainty with like how exactly uh, people would actually afford me. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh shit, now everybody's going to lose their job. Now everybody's going to lose their business. Oh no. I was like everyone, I was scared. So I had a lot of time on my hands. And then Ed Lattimore tweeted this thing on, uh, on Twitter. He's like, Hey, I'm doing mentorship. And, and I saw what he was offering. I talked to him on the phone and I was just like, well, what the fuck? I mean, why not? Uh, I'm not doing anything else. He says, you know, he says that he can help me build my Twitter account. And then lo and behold, I started tweeting and people were digging what I was saying. And I was just like. Oh damn, this is cool. And I grew my Twitter account, I think in the first month to like 1500 or something like that. And I was jacked. I was like, Oh my God, this is like incredible. Little did I know like that would just be like the tip of the iceberg. So Mm -hmm. once this was literally like six months ago, my baby, my baby daughter was born six months ago. This, I was in the delivery room. My wife was getting an epidural and I was tweeting at the same time. I was just like, boom, just, just firing off tweets and then next thing you know, Twitter is is almost like a place where you just jump from one opportunity from another. It's so weird, you know. You you get hooked up with some friends. One friend introduces you to another. I've actually so I have a rolodex of of people that I know. I have connected so many like you know high level people to people like Ed. And there's like oh dude, and Twitter is a place of connection, but it's a place of exponential connection. Yeah. So. So with Twitter, it's like, I can grow my Facebook account, right? But how am I going to have access to guys like yourself? I can't, I can't message you on Facebook and be like, yo, what's up, Tim? How's it going? But if I have a, if I have a Twitter account and you have a Twitter account, then, then we're both pretty much like in access of each other. I can comment on yours. You can comment on mine. You would not believe the, the people who I have been in contact with, like people who I've thought I would have no access to whatsoever. And and that's what Twitter does. It breaks that level of just like between whoever's like high level, it actually breaks that barrier. You can access them right away and you can actually talk to them. So the way in which I, I I started to grow my Twitter account, I started to see growth. I started to see business come in as a result. So I was just like, well, you know what, if this is bringing me, if this is actually bringing me this abundance and it's bringing me this this good fortune and whatever, I just got to put my head down and just keep on working. So like by the time I hit 5k, I was just like, okay, cool. 5k, put your head down and keep working. Okay, cool. 10k, put your head down and keep working. Like I think what happens with me sometimes is that when I see success, it kind of like, I have this, there's this tendency for me to be like, all right, let's take this foot off the pedal. Let's rest a little bit. Right. But with Twitter, I was just like, no, this is momentum. Boom. Keep it down. And Lo and behold, I started to learn kind of like the tricks in the trade, but also I started to get mentorship. I've got mentorship with like Ed, I got mentorship with Zuby and those guys just pretty much accelerated my, my progress on Twitter to a large extent. And, and yeah, here I am, here we are at 37 and a half uh, thousand followers still growing right now. And, uh, and, and now people are digging my ideas and I've always had these ideas in my brain and I always thought they were brained and cockeyed and all this kind of stuff, you know, everyone thinks that about their ideas, but now I'm putting it out there and people are understanding people are, people get it. So, so now I'm just like, okay, well, what I'm doing with Twitter is, is how Musashi would just, just, just follow the way. He would just basically do whatever he feels is the next thing that would actually bring him to a higher level of oneness with the universe. And that is only through the work. Is only through the challenge. So, so with Twitter right now, I've grown it uh, to a good amount, and I'm not. I, I I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on searching for ways to grow it. And I see that as I see Twitter as the critical driver and the first avenue to actually building out this amazing business that we're currently building out right now.
0: Yeah, and uh, let's wrap up on this because you've been very gracious with your time, and thank you. I'm having trouble seeing when you say amazing business, it's obvious yeah. that you're doing coaching. You're probably doing virtual coaching from the content that you put out. At least your message is that there's bigger things happening. Think bigger, yeah. right? Is your plan just to stay like a one-on-one private virtual coach or, or what do you yeah. see as like an end game here?
1: The end game for me is, uh, hmm. see, I kind of, I kind of like fight with myself. I'm like, should I tell Tim in public or private you ain't
0: just telling me brother (laughs)
1: yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you what the end game for me in private is uh the big hairy audacious goal uh for me the the whole thing with twitter is just is actually pushing forth the message and pushing forth the the feeling of like positivity you know like actually when i when i first got into twitter i was just like i'm going to just be as much of a positive force as possible but tell people exactly how it is right and that's pretty much driven me to this day. I just want to make people's lives better. And one of the things that Eddie or Eddie, he'll, he'll kill me if I say, call him Eddie, but Ed, it, one thing that Ed and Zuby taught me is to never box yourself in. So for you, it's like to never be just like the copy blogger guy uh, for me to never be just the, uh, the entrepreneur or the, the health coach for entrepreneurs. It's to actually cast as wide of a net as humanly possible with your content and that means to be a human being that means to just like talk about the things that make you human and for me self-growth self-improvement and just like trying to seek that next level these are things in which i'm i'm constantly trying to do so i'm just going to share that with everybody that i'm doing it with on twitter and then sometimes yeah sometimes uh i don't know twitter to me is like a journal it's like my diary, the diary of Alicia Keys or whatever it is, you know, I will post things on there that I would not share with real people sometimes, which is so weird. I actually, I actually think sometimes I'm I'm more real on Twitter than I am in real life, which sounds weird, right? And we're actually in real life. If you meet someone new, you're putting on a mask and you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to tell this guy to get your shit together, brah, you know? Mm-hmm. But with Twitter, I can say, you know, pretty much within the confines of what I can say, I can say whatever the fuck I want. So that allows me to be able to disperse my level or my tips or my advice in a way that's so authentically me. So you'll see like, I'll say fuck a lot, you know, I'll swear. I mean, that's just, that's what I do. I'm trying to fix it right now. I have a daughter. I'm trying to fix it, but still (laughs) I'm swearing and (laughs) And yeah, like Twitter to me is like, I am able to go in there and then say exactly what I feel at that very moment of time. Yeah. It reminds me of this, like one tweet that I put out. It was like my most viral tweet ever. And it was a, it was a real com It was actually a real thought. It was a real question. I was like, you know, instead of face masks, what have we made working out mandatory? Mm. Right. And.
0: Or like immune systems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. And then once I put that out, that's, that's just an example of where I'm just like, Oh, well, I'm really wondering this, you know, let's put it out there. Let's see what happens. And then that's what Twitter is. It's actually such a creative outlet for me. And I love it. Um, I hate to say it, but I do consider myself to be somewhat of an artist and I think everyone should. Right. We yeah, are both. Yeah. Like we're both the brush and the actual canvas itself. And whenever i go into twitter i feel like i'm creating art to be honest you know my own kind of art Mm -hmm. in 280 characters
0: amazing so when can we start to see the layers get peeled back on this big hairy audacious goal
1: so the very first one is going to be uh so i'm going to be launching a video course to my audience on twitter this one is basically going to be my complete blueprint, things that I do with my clients that get them into the best shape possible. Uh, mm-hmm. So one of the things that I really hang my hat on is the fact that every single person that comes into our program, they have a 94% success rate in terms of hitting their goals.
0: Amazing. And
1: if you, if you just go through the system and you have someone holding you accountable to it, then, then you will have a 94% success rate at hitting your goals. So I'm going to share that system with them. And in November, I'm going to be launching a podcast of my own. I am still figuring out what that name is going to be. I think it's going to be the Dango show, but we'll see what happens. Just
0: make it your name, brother. Don't torture yourself. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Oh, thank you very much for saying that. You're so Uh, welcome. Yeah. And then in January, 2021, um, you know, that is where, so right now I'm working kind of like in a consulting type of feel right now, but that is where we're going to do expansion. So, uh, we're going to be both scaling the coaching business, but we're also going to be, uh, sending out courses, like basically trying to help people who can't afford me, who can't afford to work with me. I'm going to be coming out with courses so people can actually join those, get in shape. And, um, and then that's going to be like the first few layers of the onion. And then, uh, and we got so much more to go. I plan on working on this, this whole brand or me or whatever it is for the rest of my life. So we'll see exactly where that ends up.
0: Sounds great. I will be anxiously awaiting. I'm looking forward to that. Appreciate uh, it. I'm looking forward to see what new ideas and growth you come up with in 2021. I, I you're going to do great, man. Uh, Thank there's you. just really, really like big things on the horizon for you and your <laughs> message. And so I'm grateful to, uh, to have this conversation, Dan. Okay, so we got um, at Fitfounder, right?
1: At Fitfounder on Twitter. Uh, right. My website or business website, if anyone wants to apply for coaching, if you're an entrepreneur, it's highperformancefounder.com.
0: Amazing. We will link all of those up in the show notes of the podcast and on timstads.com/podcast. Dan, you were great to talk to you. Thank you so much Thank for your you. time. I, I really look forward to, to doing this again in the future.
1: Same here. And uh, this has been one of like the the coolest conversations i've been a part of
0: cool man really appreciate that we'll talk soon yeah Yeah. Yeah. hey guys it's me it's tim one last time before we wrap up just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast please subscribe on itunes please leave me an honest rating please follow me on spotify it's the best thing you can do to support the show if you want to find out more go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.